Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. Hi, I'm Irene Watson. I'm the managing editor of Reader Views. And I'm Victor Volkman from Loving Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'd like to welcome all our listeners to episode number 139 in our series. Tonight's topic will be going past traditional publishing and self-publishing instead with special guest Joel Friedlander. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send us your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Now, tonight we have Joel Friedlander, who is a book designer, blogger, and author of A Self-Publisher's Companion, Expert Advice for Authors Who Want to Publish. Joel is proprietor of Marin Bookworks in San Rafael, California, a publishing services company where he's helped launch many self-publishers since 1994. He's owned businesses in graphics, arts, design, and publishing, production manager of Aperture Books, he founded Renaissance Press in Northern California, a private publisher of hand typeset and hand-printed books. As the owner of Globe Press Books in Yorktown Heights, New York, he published books of memoirs and Eastern Western spirituality. A self-published author himself, he now helps authors decide. He now helps authors who decide to publish navigate the often confusing world of self-publishing. He's known for his carefully produced books, beautiful typography an ethical and personable approach to his clients. Well, good evening, Joel. Good evening, and thank you very much. That was a lovely introduction. Well, I'm really glad that you're uh, online with us. And uh, let's talk about self-publishing. Uh, self-publishing is getting to be just such a big thing in the last couple of years. And uh, how do you feel, you know, being in this industry for as long as you have been, what is the state of self-publishing, in your view? Well, uh, obviously we're seeing a big sea change uh, that's, in my mind, a long time coming. Now, it used to be that self-publishers, and I self-published back in the 1980s originally, it used to be that self-publishers had to kind of pretend that they really weren't self-publishers. That was kind of like the worst thing you could be in publishing at the time, was a self-published author. So we had many um, devices we would use and subterfuges to try and uh, convince people that we weren't actually publishing our own books. Uh, today, the situation has completely changed. And uh, due to the ease of self-publishing and the reduction in the risk, there's almost no risk anymore. And, uh, you know, the changes going on in the publishing industry, a lot of authors who had been traditionally published are now choosing of uh, their own volition to leave their publishing houses and publish their own books, or at least publish part of their uh, part of the books that they that they've written, maybe not all of them. So I think what's happening really, Irene, is that self-publishing, which had been kind of like an outcast in the publishing business, is being absorbed into the greater publishing industry and kind of taking its own place, so that authors can independently publish if they want without any stigma. Uh, attached to it and uh, easily go back and forth between traditional publishers and their own independent publishing operations. And so maybe before we go any further, Joe, what is your definition of self-publishing? Well, my definition of self-publishing is when an author uh, acts as the publisher of their book. Okay, so that leads to the next question, of course, what is a publisher? 
Because in our mind, you know, we think that the publisher is somebody with a big skyscraper on 6th Avenue in New York with hundreds of people who work there. But actually, when an author takes the responsibility, like they start their own press, uh, they put a name on it, they get their own ISBN, so uh, the books are always traceable back to them. They take financial responsibility, editorial responsibility, complete responsibility for issuing the book to the public. In my mind, they are a self-publisher. They've, they've published their own book themselves. I don't think there's anything more to it than that. There are a lot of uh, self-publishing firms that uh, are out there and also, you know, a lot of the people, there's just so much controversy because a lot of people feel that that is a sub-publishing system as well. And so I'd like to hear your comments on that. Well, we have a very, you know, you have to realize we're talking uh, not about like one phenomenon, but many phenomena because... Uh, the world of independent publishing goes everywhere from a person with a manuscript that they've written in Word, and they upload it to the uh, Kindle direct publishing uh, portal, and it's for sale within 24 hours, and they're now a publisher. I mean, come on, that is unbelievable that people can do that now. On the other hand, there are these big companies that you're referring to, and what we, you know, most of them fall under the category of what we call subsidy publishers, and that is you pay that company to publish the book for you. Now, there's a big difference between these companies, and they really fall into two different categories as far as I'm concerned. On the one hand, there are the pure subsidy publishers. You pay them, they provide you services, they put their ISBN on the book, they decide what the price of the book will be. They assign the editors, the designers. They're actually operating uh, an author services company, but they're making all those decisions. And in their contract, you can't have anything to say about those decisions. Now, to me, that is not really self-publishing because you've given up responsibility for many areas of the publication of your book. For instance, the ability to set the price of your book is intrinsic to being a publisher, in my mind. There are also author services companies or print-on-demand printers who help people publish their books, but they don't take the place of the publisher. In other words, you can go to somebody like CreateSpace that's owned by Amazon, and you can supply your own ISBN, your own files, you can design the book yourself, you can set your own price, and you can just use them as a printer slash distributor. Now you truly have self-published your book because you've maintained all the responsibility for the publication of the book. So I think there's a big difference between those two. And, um, you know, there are uh, different kinds of subsidy publishers, which, you know, we could go into if you like. But I think you have to understand conceptually that there's a split between the companies that kind of take over and the ones that simply help an author publish their book. Yeah, Joel, those are, are important distinctions. I'd like to back up a little bit, and you, you mentioned uh, no risk, and my ears kind of perked up. Is that because you mean print-on-demand is the new definition of self-publishing? Well, you know, um, I'm referring both to print-on-demand, that is digital uh, printing and uh, you know, order fulfillment, and also e-publishing. You know, a lot of people are going straight to e-books now, particularly fiction authors, novelists, and uh, they're just skipping the uh, print book step. But let's take print-on-demand for a minute, Victor. I mean, print-on-demand, of course, is uh, a method of producing and distributing books in that every book is paid for before it's printed. So 
obviously there's a lot of expense and preparation that goes into creating a uh, professional-looking book. Uh, if you want to have a print book, doing a beautiful cover, making sure the content is professionally edited, laid out properly, the book is paginated correctly, and the whole thing's put together properly. Now, it does cost money to do that, so that money that you're spending is a risk, your time and your money. Now, the fact is that the, that risk has been lowered tremendously because you can now put that book with a print-on-demand supplier and not have to have any inventory concerns or investment in inventory, which is a much bigger risk. So uh, I've, I've done books for people like this for many years, and in the past, you know, maybe you would spend, uh, let's say, three to five thousand dollars getting your book ready, and then you would maybe spend another ten thousand dollars just printing books and paying for the inventory. So um, the the ability to not have to pay for the books before they're sold is an incredible advantage, and gives the uh, today's self-publisher just unbelievable leverage financially. Yeah, absolutely, and, and hopefully the, the stigma is disappearing. Uh, of, you know, bookstores and reviewers that refuse to take print-on-demand books and uh, stuff like that. Did you see that on the decline finally? I think you know the problem there, of course, is that the bookstores are what's on the decline. Look, we just lost 400 more bookstores in one fell swoop when bookstores announced that they were going to close all their stores. So, you know, for today's self-publishers. I have to say that bookstores are not the ideal place to sell books. And, in fact, for most of my clients, I encourage them to ignore bookstores completely because, uh, basically, for most self-published authors, they're more trouble than they're worth. Uh, they won't end up making any money. They'll waste a lot of time, and uh, it will end up being kind of a losing proposition. So we're in a whole new world now where authors are learning how to sell their books. Uh, more proactively and more directly to readers. And that's a whole sea change in the publishing business. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more on that. And uh, people get the message. <laughs> that, you know, uh, well, just, a... just, think about this, just think about this for a second, Victor. I mean, you know publishing. You know, book publishers, those big companies, they have always been business-to-business -business operations. Their customers were wholesalers, distributors, and bookstores. The bookstores are their end customer not the readers, you know, because they're a wholesale company, they're a manufacturer. And now authors, uh, through lots of disintermediation that's happened in the publishing business, are coming into direct contact with their own readers. And the self-publisher is keenly aware of how tuned in he or she has to be with their readers. And, you know, that in itself is uh, going to change the whole publishing business. Right, and also when you consider... You know, with what I don't know what there's going to be 400,000 new titles this year, and your average store is going to carry what five percent of that. Uh, yeah, if that, you know, they've got to have all the backlist, don't they? Right, and uh, the backlist is is always with us. Uh, I'm going to shift gears a little bit, and uh, you are an expert on typography, and how do you get good typography without spending eight hundred dollars and teaching yourself in design? <laughs> You know, that's actually a pretty common question, Victor, I have to say. Well, you know, with the tools we have available now, I mean, you know, uh, we used to have typewriters and uh, now we have processors, and the word processors come with fonts uh, because they're graphical word processors. So when you boot up your Microsoft Word, 
you've got a whole font menu. You might have dozens and dozens of fonts, and therefore people think that they're now in possession of a typesetting software. But the problem is that Microsoft Word and, and programs that are similar to it cannot set type. In other words, they can produce a document, but if you want a book that looks like it was professionally typeset, it has to be done by somebody who is a professional typesetter. I know that's kind of disappointing to a lot of people, but that's just the way it is. If you want a cover that looks like it was done by a professional cover designer, and that's your standard, and you're going to be competing, your book is going to compete against other books from traditional publishers, where they're sure as heck going to have a professional cover designer and a professional interior layout, then you have to pay people to do that unless you want to go and buy the software and teach yourself, which, you know, I don't think that's an optimum solution for most self-publishers, to be honest. I, I think they'd be much better off having a budget, no matter what that budget is, finding somebody who can help them, and, uh, you know, getting a book that's properly edited and properly put together. You said something very important, properly edited. You know, as a review service, we get tons of books here, and... Uh, the majority of our books are from self-published uh, authors, and oh my goodness, we get, it, it just seems that we just get flooded with self-published books. The, the They're probably not even edited, and sometimes I don't even think that they run through a word check. And, you know, and the covers, I look at them and I'm thinking, my goodness, has this person never been to a bookstore to see what a cover actually looks like? And this is my biggest complaint about self-published books. Well, uh, you know, you're not going to get an argument from me, Irina. I'm sure I'm not. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's totally true. Everything you're saying is completely true. I've seen those books. I see them every day. You know, the only, uh, the only, and I have no problem with those books. I want to tell you, I am an enthusiast about self-publishing, and I'm glad people are publishing those books. Okay? I've said it. I'm really happy they're doing it. The problem is when you get your expectations out of line with your reality. You know, if you, and, and what I, that's why I was saying, if you're doing a book and you want to compete in the marketplace with other books that are professionally done, hey, you know, you better stop and ask yourself, can my book compete? Would people pick it up even if it was sitting next to a book in the same genre or with similar information that came from Random House or, uh, you know, Workman or some big publisher? And, and that's why you have, if you, if you want to make money in self-publishing, if you want to compete in the marketplace, if you want your books to be taken seriously, then you have to be willing to put in uh, the time or the work or the money or whatever it is. Now, I'm going to tell you now, I'm a book designer. I'm kind of a visual guy. But I, uh, my advice to self-publishers is if, if all you can afford is one thing, pay for editing. Yes. Don't pay for design first. Get that book into the hands of a real editor. And uh, that's really the number one concern I have about, you know, you can overcome like kind of a crummy cover, but you cannot overcome a book that has not been edited. I'm so glad you said that. I find that, uh, you know, reading reviews uh, on Amazon of ebooks and just uh, being on forums, it seems to me also that. There are more editing issues in ebooks. It seems that maybe because it's so easy, you know, the, there's an adage that everybody's got a book within them, and so this is it. You know, you sit a 
uh, and use your whatever word uh, document. You write up a book. You upload it to an ebook. Turn it, you know, turned into a PDF, and there you are. You're an author, but it's not been edited. And it, I, I'm just seeing more and more reviews in that aspect too. And I think it's because it just it becomes so easy. Well, yeah, and that, and that's the other side of that whole, um, you know, uh, lowering of the barrier to entry. Uh, you know, eliminating the risk, eliminating the financial uh, uh, obstacles you had to overcome. You know, when I first self-published in the 80s, I mean, realistically, you had to have uh, like $5,000 that you could spend to get those books properly uh, edited, typeset, and printed. And that kept, you know, a, a lot of these people out. So, I mean, it is a two-edged sword. You know, people will continue to do that. But I'll tell you something, I mean. When I talk to authors, when they come to me and say, will you help me publish my book, the first thing I do is sit down and have a conversation with them about what their intention is. What is it that they really want out of that book? What are they trying to accomplish? You know, and are those aims realistic given you know, the book itself and, and, and them as, as, as an author? Because self-publishing means the author has to turn into the publisher the uh, designer or the editor, you know, I have to take, take take responsibility for all these roles. And, you know, a lot of people just don't want to do that. So, you know, serious self-publishers have always produced really outstanding books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we have always been out there producing these books because, particularly for nonfiction authors, the financial leverage in being able to sell to small niche markets is just fantastic. And so, uh, you know, but those, and I've been doing books for those authors for many years, like in my intro since the 90s. And those books we turned out were beautiful, and there, there was nothing the matter with them. But if you're going to make it that easy that you can do it like in 15 minutes, uh-huh. then, and it's going to cost you absolutely nothing, then, yeah, we have to live with that also. Which is really you know, unfortunate. I, I mean, just don't, don't get rid of your delete button. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, you know, then that brings me to budget. And you mentioned that back, you know, when you first started, you needed a budget of $5,000. And, of course, that's been a few years ago. So now it could almost be a double. But what I'm finding also is a lot of the self-published authors hadn't even considered that they need a budget, not only for the book production, but once they have the book, then there's marketing. And Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that. Right. Remember, (laughs) somebody has to know about your book. (laughs) The number one question in self-publishing, you know, okay, I got these books. Now, what do I do? Right. You know, and uh, 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 you know, this is one of the reasons I write so much on this topic. I mean, because you know, I, I keep trying to tell people, you know, like start thinking about this before you finish the book. You know, who are you writing it for? What you know, every book has to have some reason to exist. It has to have within it its own reason to exist. And and that when it goes out in the world, then it fulfills that reason. But if you're just sitting in a, you know your room in the back of the house and you're not talking to anybody and you don't know anything, you're just writing because it feels right, you know, that book may not have any reason to exist for anybody else. So it's really clear, uh, important to be clear about your intention and, and then to be able to follow steps that will take you to that goal. And, uh, you know, and, and publishing is complicated. You know, I mean, if you go into a publishing house and you talk to all of the staff who works on a book while it's passing through the publishing house, oh, my God, there are so many people with so many different competencies. You know, how could one person do that? But we can do it today, and we can do it really well, 
but it does take planning. You have to know what direction you're going in, and you have to be willing to pay when 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 that's necessary. Great, Joel. Let's talk a little bit about some marketing nuts and bolts. Like dollar for dollar, what are the the top three strategies? Uh, should I, you know, do my own blog tour, uh, send my book to the New York Times? You know, what what's the best wisdom? <clears throat> well, what we're finding really effective now is um, book reviews. Book reviews are really uh, undervalued by a lot of authors, but you know, every time somebody reviews your book, particularly online, then you get access to another network of people. Uh, you don't have to pay for that usually except the cost of the book. And, you know, anything that the reviewer says is going to have a lot more credibility uh, than anything you say about your book. Now, there are hundreds and hundreds of reviewers online, and um, I, I think that's a really great strategy is to pursue the reviewers, uh, find out who reviews books like yours, query them, ask them if they'd like to review your book, and then send them out. That's a great strategy. Uh, dollar for dollar, it's really hard to beat uh, social media these days, particularly if you're selling your books online, which is what I recommend most self-publishers do these days. Uh, it's easier to find your market. And then, so all your uh, blogging, your social media use, uh, building a network, uh, building a platform, getting people interested in your topic, you know, that takes a certain amount of effort, but most of it is free. So it's just your time involvement there. So uh, that's two. And um, there are a lot of people doing, uh, uh, you know, the book launch itself, which would include the blog tour and lots of other promotions. I find that's really pretty critical for many people because they really establish the book in the in the in the market, they, you know, people know about it. Maybe they have a lot of sales, maybe they don't. But due to the uh, the activities around the book launch, uh, which would include blog tours, guest articles, interviews, uh, guest articles you write for other people's blogs, uh, having people review your book, uh, you know, uh, getting people to buy the book on one day, the whole blog, uh, the whole book launch mechanism is um, also doesn't have to cost a lot of money but it takes a certain amount of planning and uh, effort to put it all together. So, you know, those three things, if you could get adept or get help to get set up in social media, doing book reviews, and really put together an intelligent launch for your book, and it doesn't often have to happen in a week. You know, you can do a launch over a month. You don't have to stress yourself out. You know, but having, the, having all the people connected, other bloggers, other authors, uh, people from your social media space, I found that to be the most effective thing uh, right now. Wow, that's uh, that's quite a comprehensive list. Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes we get uh, fiction authors who, you know, maybe they're writing westerns or romance novels, and they're a little confused about platform. Can you speak to what does platform mean for fiction authors? common question and I think you know if you understand that the platform is you know everything that supports you as an author like if you have a uh, hundred people reading your blog you know that supports you as an author I think the fiction uh, I've seen various ways that fiction authors have um, involved themselves in social media I have uh, one author who uh, was doing stories that all that were designed to be chapters in a memoir a fictional memoir, and, uh, you know, 
got a group of people together on a Facebook fan page and started releasing the material and asking people what they thought. And it was kind of uh, uh, interesting uh, material. It was very uh, emotional. So actually, she ended up with uh, several hundred people following her. That was interesting. I've seen authors blogging, setting up blogs and blogging um, from their character's point of view. So they have a character set up a blog, and then they run the blog and um, have other characters interacting with them, and that somehow ties into the, either their uh, backstory or the story that's actually in the book. And, of course, the other thing is the subject matter blog, which I think is probably the easiest thing for anybody to do. Uh, for instance, um, I know a woman who writes novels set in uh, Victorian England. So she blogs about Victorian England. She doesn't say what her next book is going to be or what she's writing about. But she blogs about that period and the things that interest her about that period, and she attracts other people with the same interests. Now, they're pretty good prospects to be buyers eventually. So that really helps her platform. So I think there's a lot of things you can do, actually, if you're a fiction author. And, uh, you know, if you really just kind of think of who the people are who like the kinds of books you write and what else would be of interest to them. I totally agree with you, Joel. The um, One of the things that I want to add to the uh, platform is to start, actually, before even publishing the book, because... You know, to start creating a platform after the book is published, you're actually losing a lot of uh, track, uh, per se. So um, my, I always, anybody I talk to, I always encourage them to really look at that and start their platform before they publish the book. Well, I couldn't agree more, Irene. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I also do um, a blogging workshop because I've been blogging for a couple of years now, and I'm really always trying to get authors involved in blogging, and I tell them every time they say, well, when should I start? I always tell them the same thing. I say, well, okay. can you start today? You know, it's not. It's only going to take you 10 minutes to get set up, and then you could just go home and do it now because, uh, you know, well, uh, for instance, for me, I mean, I, I was blogging for a year before I started putting together that book, The Self-Publisher's Companion, and I guarantee you, I wouldn't have had anywhere near the reception or the offers of people to help or the reviewers if I hadn't been uh, publishing in this field online for over a year before I did the book. So, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Start today. That's my advice. Well, and it's good for SEO because, uh, you know, once uh, if you start, let's say, a year like you did before the book came out, you've got your SEO in place. Oh, absolutely. And You've already optimized all the keywords that are going to be in your book. Exactly, exactly. One of the things you had uh, mentioned when you were talking about the three key things to do, we used to help uh, authors do book launches. And what I found that they were only successful is if the author had a following. Many times we were approached by authors that maybe had a maximum of 100 emails in their address book. And they didn't have enough people to actually create a very good book launch or you know even a blog tour because they didn't know uh, they didn't know any other bloggers that actually could review the book and you know do something for them on a specific day so i'd like you to kind of address that what can authors do if all they have is 100 emails addresses in their 
mailbox, and sure. most of them are relatives and neighbors and friends. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> and, it, and it's certainly doable. But, you know, before I answer that, what, what, what do you think your figure was that the authors needed, like, on their email list uh, to make it work? You said 100 wasn't enough. No, it wasn't. Um, How about 1,000? A minimum of 1,000, because when you really look at the percentage of, you know, if 1% would buy the book... A hundred definitely is not enough, and a thousand is, you know, iffy because everybody's not going to buy the book. The only time that we found it was successful is if nobody pre-bought the book, and it it was a first time out, the book came out immediately, and then the launch happened, and so none of the even relatives or friends had them, so they were buyers, but... If these people already have purchased, it's really pointless spending all that time and effort sending emails to 100 people that have already purchased the book because exactly. it's going to be a flop. So, but anyway, um, back to and this is one. This is one of the most important things for people who want to self-publish and actually make money. Like, do they have access to an audience that's mm-hmm. already interested and knows them and is interested in the topic? And that's why nonfiction is a little bit easier because people, we get people who are consultants or they're in an association or, you know, they know everybody nationally in the principals league or whatever. Whatever it is, you know, they, if you have a, an audience and a niche book, then it's not hard to do it. Now, on your question, what does the author do? I'm going to take a leap right out of uh, blogging because as bloggers, we know how to deal with that situation exactly where you've got 100 names, you don't know anybody, you have no social media presence. My message is if you're willing to do the work, you can still do it, and here's how. What I would do is I would immediately try to identify the top 10 blogs that are crucial for your book. I would start commenting on those blogs, uh, with very intelligent comments, I would put two to four weeks into this and get known to those bloggers. Uh, if you could strike up a conversation, you know, start emailing them. At some point, let them know you have a book coming out because what you're going to need to do, since you have no audience, you're going to have to use somebody else's microphone. And if you can get people, if you can convince people that your book is good enough, that you're a good presenter, uh, you can get onto interviews, you can offer to write guest articles, guest posts, and you can start to use like 10 other people's microphones. And if you set your blog up and you put an opt-in there and you start driving people from other people's networks back to you, you will start growing your list very fast. And this can be done if you're willing to put the time and energy in. It can be done quite quickly. And I've seen people do this. I've seen people go from zero to like thousands of names in just a few weeks. I agree. I've done it. So I have to. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, it works, but you have to work it. Yeah, it's hard yeah. work. Uh, that that strategy is not easy. I mean, you're going to be working hard yeah. for uh, you know a couple of months, really pretty hard. But hey, how long did you spend writing your book? Exactly, exactly. So come on, it's going to be worth it. <laughs> Joel, this has been a real pleasure to have you on our show. Thank you very much. Would you tell our listening audience your website address? Yes. I blog uh, about book design, self-publishing, and all the things we've been talking about. I uh, do it at www.thebookdesigner.com. There you go, thebookdesigner.com. How easy is that? And it's even easy to remember. Thanks again, Joel. We do, we do appreciate you spending the time and giving us a real insight and uh, just encouraging people to really look at self-publishing if uh, they're just not able to do it traditionally. Thank you. Well, 
It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you both, uh, Irene and Victor. It's uh-huh. been a, a really a pleasure uh, talking to you today. Right. You are welcome. And this has been another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. Stay tuned for the next episode, Differentiating Your Book from the -the Run-of-the-Mill Genres, with special guest Paul McNeese. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send us your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. And this is Irene Watson for Reader Views in Austin, Texas, saying good night. And I'm Victor Volkman in Ann Arbor, Michigan, wishing you all a good evening.